0: Right, yeah. like, and when we talk about the police protecting property, like this kind of thing makes me wonder, like, okay, but whose property? Right? Like, right. whose property is like, like an object of protection versus whose property can just be like taken um, by like agents of the state? And it's, you know, if 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 your uh, any of your assets, you know, your cash are seized. They don't have to bring charges against you. It's it's kind of like a weird thing. Like the charges are against like the property, which doesn't have rights. <laughs> like not <laughs> against you know like you as a criminal defendant. So they don't have to bring any charge. You know you don't have to be charged or convicted of a crime. I mean obviously I think this varies a lot by location, and it's really really hard to get your stuff back. Like I think it's it's nearly impossible to get your stuff back if uh, if it's seized this way. So. Yeah, I mean, like the the police are the police are defunding you in a number of ways, right? Like through your taxes, through taking your stuff, through like harassing you, right, for traffic tickets and stuff.
1: This uh, th- this thing about uh, who who actually has the charges against them, and in some cases, it's actually the property. is just making me think of the rich history of uh, especially federal uh, law enforcement. Uh, agents or just like, you know, intelligence agents and things like that, reading like high theory, and you know clearly taking vast logical leaps uh to it, like imbricate it into the state apparatus i'm just imagining like uh some extremely like coked up officer at a union meeting or something was told about object-oriented ontology or something <laughs> and just decided that that was going to become like the justification for and uh and like bureaucratic uh loophole structure for for civil asset forfeiture
2: i mean it's so Graham intentional Harmon's
1: still doing harm <laughs> No matter what. Yeah. Anyway.
2: You know, like uh, oftentimes the amounts that are seized, as you're pointing out, Abby, are so low that if you were to challenge it in court, only I, I think, you know, a very small percentage of these low dollar amount seizures are challenged because ultimately it's going to cost people more in terms mm-hmm. of like lost time, lost wages. Lawyers fees, court fees to challenge the seizure itself than the amount taken. So there's this great incentive for police officers to, you know, prey on people with very few resources in order to extract this money sort of hands free. Right. Without without having to fight it in court, because the likelihood is that the person can't afford to fight that seizure in court, and and of course, though when when civil asset forfeiture is challenged, what you hear from uh, district attorneys is, well, you know, civil asset forfeiture is the way to return. Uh, you know, the uh, ill-gotten gains to the victims of the crime. And they'll point to Bernie Madoff or they'll point to the Sackler-Purdue settlement, right? But it's important to note that, you know, a lot of that Purdue settlement went back into the police department and went back into the DA's office and and didn't go to the quote-unquote victims of the Purdue-Oxycontin Plus, those are scheme. outliers.
1: Right. Those are huge yeah. outlier situations. Right. To hear the full episode become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod, you'll get access to this and the rest of our catalogue of patron only episodes, and be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops, with love, the death panel.